welcome to the Elemental Entrepreneurship Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Beyer, founder of Intuitive Edge Coaching and creator of the Elemental Entrepreneurship Framework. I use the elements, earth, air, fire, water, and spirit as a lens for understanding business and life. As you begin to understand each element, you can become an alchemist, able to powerfully blend the elements to transmute, transform, and create mysteriously potent outcomes with ease, leaving the people around you wondering, how are they doing that? As we navigate the unique challenges and joys that come with being a creative entrepreneur or professional artist, the Elemental Entrepreneurship Framework provides a guide to help you understand yourself, cultivate balance, and alchemize your business for magical results. I'm glad you're here. Good morning, beautiful friends. It has been a couple weeks uh, since I've dropped an episode. Apologize. You know, I actually had this one uh, recorded and I didn't put it up. I hesitated. And then I waited a little while and decided to do it because <laughs> I didn't have something else. So <laughs> this was uh, an IG live. Uh, and so I guess like a couple, a couple of disclaimers about ye old IG lives is that sometimes you'll hear me repeat stuff or define terms. And it's because new people have come onto the live and are either asking questions or have started to watch for a while. And I'll realize they missed the part of the conversation where I set up what I was saying or define the term. And sometimes that's the downside to like doing these things live. But I don't think it hurts to have terms defined multiple times, especially touchy terms like codependency, which I talk about a lot in here. Codependency is something I talk about a lot because I have a lot of experience with it. And I think I've done some past episodes on it. And I've also been brought in to some other people's coaching programs, notably my friend Lila, who runs the Stripper's Guide podcast. She does relationship coaching, and I've come in and done talks on love addiction and codependency in some of her um, programs. And Lila has shared a lot of the time that the reason she likes to have me come talk about it is because my definitions for the terms or the way that I explain what it feels like to have codependent emotional processing or relational attachments is very different than a lot of the other information that she has found on YouTube or from other relationship experts. I keep having to pause this recording because my cats always pick the time that I start recording to act crazy. If you are a pet owner out there, I'm sure you can relate. I guess the disclaimer I want to make on this episode and part of the reason why I hesitated on posting it is that I talk a lot, a lot in this episode, kind of the thesis of this episode is really personal responsibility and self-determination and our individual ability to make changes in our lives, even when those changes might hurt other people's feelings or upset them or disappoint them or change their perception of us. But I always want to be careful when I talk about things like that to make sure that people understand that I'm not saying that it's easy to change your life. And I'm not saying that everyone has the same access to everything. And I'm not saying that the circumstances of our lives are our fault even if they are our responsibility. And I think that sometimes when 
you step into this realm of talking about self-determination, um, there can be a backlash from people saying, you know, you're overlooking the fact that not everyone has access to the same things. And, and I'm not. Uh, and so I, I always want to be careful to honor the space that acknowledges that I do believe that individuals, every individual, is powerful beyond measure probably much more capable than they know themselves to be and much more able than they even are aware to change huge things about their lives while acknowledging the fact that we do not exist in a vacuum and that that individual lives within interlocking systems of oppression that can influence and impact everything about where they are, how they see the world, how they experience the world, what access they will have to creating the changes they desire. Like both things are true. And I always want to be mindful of stating that both things are true, that systems are large and unwieldy and difficult and individuals are wily and capable and facile and have the ability to be creative and have the ability to maneuver and have the ability to, how do I want to say this? I think y'all get what I'm saying. It's very early in the morning. Uh, it's not even nine o'clock yet when I'm recording this on a Friday. Happy Venus Day to you. So I don't know if all of the caffeine that I need to have this conversation has fully like uh, seeped into my brain folds yet, but uh, I think I think y'all hopefully are picking up what I am attempting to put down. So yeah, so you will also hear in this episode that I sound mad. (laughs) And uh, this is what I sound like when I'm mad. Uh, And I was mad. And I wasn't mad at the person. I was mad because I, as I articulate later on in this episode, I really do care so deeply about the people around me and the people that I love, about you, about every individual that I come in contact with. Like sometimes you meet people who are so talented and so beautiful and so smart and so capable and they've got themselves in like a, a, a trap of their own making that's all logical fallacy and people-pleasing and and I just want to shake them to the possibility of their own lives and I want to shake them to the possibility of their own brilliance. I want to shake people <laughs> and into recognizing that They have something that the world needs. They have something unique. They have something beautiful. They have something brilliant. Um, And that, that we're all out here hungry for it. We're all out here hungry for your art, for your genius, for your unique perspective. And when we, as a collective, lose access to that because you are hiding in people pleasing or codependence or, um, weird excuses, (laughs) Um, we're all losing out and I selfishly want people to step out of it so that we can have their art. <laughs> I'm just like, 
stop. Stop telling yourself this thing that is preventing you from sharing your work or from allowing yourself to shine because we are the ones who are losing out on this. You're being selfish. <laughs> so yeah, you'll hear in this that I sound frustrated and sometimes uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure we can get into this because my anger is not an emotion that I'm always the most comfortable with. Uh, it is, it scares me to share this part of myself sometimes. I'm like, Oh, is that okay? Was I nice enough? Cause right. I'm not immune. Um, but a lot of people shared this live and uh, said that like tough love Sarah was their favorite Sarah. And so I was like, okay, I, I guess that's Sometimes people like it when my like mama bearness comes out and I'm like, stop fucking around, share your fucking gifts, motherfucker. Uh, I cuss a lot in this episode too. Um, yeah, so that's what I have to share. The other thing that I want to share, this is going to be a long episode, I guess, now that I'm just rambling in the introduction, but the other thing I want to share before uh, the episode starts is that I am dropping a brand new thing and it actually opens tomorrow and it is called the 90 day sensual movement manifestation challenge. And I'm just going to talk about it a little tiny bit. There's going to be more stuff about manifestation next week. Um, so some of this episode kind of intersects with my ideas about manifestation, which are really about like bringing your dreams to form, right? Bringing your desires into form, transitioning the things you want from living just in the idea realm onto the three-dimensional plane, right? That's all really manifestation means, to make something manifest, to make something exist on this plane. And I do a little spirit talk here on this podcast, uh, and if you're in my private programs, uh, or you're you're in conversation with me as a client, then I talk more about spell work and reality building than I do on social media or than I do on the podcast. And some of that is because of the same reason that like uh, the same reasons that I used to set this episode up. Manifestation is like a hot button kind of topic, and if you're a a white or white passing individual who also talks about business and money and you start talking manifestation, you're like a, an eyelash away from sounding like you're in the prosperity gospel arena and, um, you know, saying that people are completely individually responsible for whether or not they're in poverty and stuff like that. And like, it's real complex. And I don't really want to step in those particular bear traps. And I think that this conversation is so nuanced and so complex and and so broad uh, and so misunderstood that it doesn't lend itself well to memification, right? It doesn't truncate well. It doesn't sound bite well. And that's why I tend to present this material more in coaching groups or in coaching relationships where it can be a conversation and we can fine tune versus on social media, which is a little bit more one way um, and, and lends itself best to things that can be um, boiled down into small sound bites. So I haven't taught about manifestation a lot is what I'm saying publicly. I'm not a spiritual teacher. Uh, that's not really like my arena, but I do have a magical practice, a manifestation practice. I'm living in the results of what I relate to as spell work all the time. And a big part of that for me is my movement practice. And so I was putting together a little challenge for myself to do for the last quarter of the year that was mostly about doing my sensual movement practice daily. And then I thought it would be really fun to invite people to do this with me. 
And then I thought, well, if I invite people to do it with me, I'll have to explain that this is not actually a dance practice or a fitness practice. This is actually a spiritual practice that's about emotional attunement to desire. And then I was like, oh, I guess this means I have to put this all together into a thing. And so I made it a thing. And it's called the 90-Day Sensual Movement Manifestation Challenge. It's 90 bucks. It's a dollar a day. Anyone can join. You don't have to be a dancer or a fitness person. Uh, You don't have to have a particular movement practice. There's no technical aspect to it. It's very, very easy. You can participate in about five minutes a day. That crinkling is a cat toy. And... I will teach all of how it works and what it's about inside the challenge, what my manifestation formula is and how movement factors into it. Uh, But it's going to be really fun. It's going to be sexy. It's going to be cute. It's going to be easy. You're going to get to feel successful. You're going to move your body. You're going to hopefully manifest some of your desires into the 3D realm. And uh, I think you're really going to like it. So if you are not following me on social media I don't know what you're doing. That's where all the good stuff happens. I don't know. This is probably good stuff too. We'll see. But at Intuitive Edge Coaching on Instagram. Well, also, I just got a TikTok. I don't know what I'm doing on there, but you could follow it. (laughs) It's the same name on TikTok. And uh, Unstuck Facebook group, facebook.com slash groups slash Unstuck group. Uh, Please join the Facebook group. So if you're following me on social media, the link is going to drop there tomorrow. And I will probably drop it in the show notes of the next episode that I do next week uh, when I come on, hopefully, to talk a little bit more about the the glorious, complex uh, shit show that is the topic of manifestation in the modern digital entrepreneurial space. Oh my gosh, do you hear? There's like a cat Olympics happening around me right now. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, why don't you just close the door? Well, that's cute, but obviously you don't have cats because if I did, all you would hear is the door rattling and frantic meowing because they do not like being denied access to spaces. Um, what was I saying before the Cat Olympics? Oh yeah, follow me on social meds because that's where I'm going to drop the link for this before I drop it here. And I would love to see you in there. Uh, it's the first thing that I've opened up to the public in a while that is not specifically geared toward entrepreneurs, though of course is great for entrepreneurs. And also is very, very inexpensive. So my genuine desire is that that makes it possible for lots and lots of people to uh, participate and that we get to spend the last quarter of the year, the last season of the year in community together, uh, going inward and exploring our feelings and our sensate world and being in our bodies, uh, which is a lovely thing to do if you are in the Northern Hemisphere and it's about to be winter and we're going to be inside more anyway. Um, so yeah, I hope you join me for that. And without further ado, I adoed a lot already. Uh, here's an episode in which I talk about people-pleasing, codependency, telling yourself you can't do things, making excuses, and I kind of yell and cuss a lot. <laughs> If you like it, leave a five-star review. I don't know. Share this with your friend, your family, your coworkers, your dental hygienist, your pharmacist, the person who scoops ice cream at your local thrifty. And I will, uh, oh, and your dog, right? Make sure your dog listens. Uh, Yeah, I'll talk to you later. Bye.
want to talk about excuses and fear. I just got off the phone with a friend and I'm going to try to like frame this conversation in a way that makes sense. But sometimes I'm not sympathetic to people and it's not because I don't want to be. And I think I am sympathetic, but not to the issue they want me to be sympathetic to. For example, I have very little sympathy when people in my life complain about the same situation over and over again, if it's a situation that they have the power to change. Like, for instance, a job. And I've always been like this. It doesn't just come from coaching. Um, I, I think I, I very, very early on in my life just realized that, like, we can really do anything we want. And actually, as I'm saying it, I think it's because I did acid when I was 13. And I actually think that people should go on like psychedelic vision quests in their early teen years. I think it's really important. But I remember being on acid when I was 13 years old. My friend accidentally spilled a little bit of soda on the rug. And he was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. And I like looked at him and I like knocked the whole cup over. And I was like, actions, consequences, you know. Like we can clean it. It's a fucking rug. Like who fucking cares? Anyway, I, what I'm trying to say is I think from a very early age, I had this feeling, this very clear feeling that like we are creators of reality. And I, I, I mean that in the hippiest woo woo way possible, but also not right. Like there's nuance to it. Reality is co-created. There are things that are harder to change than others. Right. But like mm, a lot of the time for a lot of us, our reasons for why we can't are fake. They might be emotionally true, right? But the core reason underneath is actually just fear. It's not a, it's not a real reason. Um, especially when it comes to something like a job, right? So I used to have this trouble in a relationship that I was in in my early twenties. My ex used to come home from work every single day and just complain about how much they hated their job. And I was like, okay, so you want to quit? And they were like, no. And I was like, well, what are we doing here? Like, I don't understand. At the core of me, I do not understand being upset for eight hours a day of your life. I don't get it. There is my number one goal in life is to be happy. And I think that this also may be like a mindset that comes from struggling with depression and anxiety and eating disorders and addiction. And like a lot of things that I really struggled with in the early part of my life. And then also doing things like getting a really good corporate high paying job in my teenage years and being like, Oh, this is supposed to make me happy. And it doesn't, I'm miserable. So obviously this is not the pursuit, right? The pursuit for me, is to be happy as a human being, is to wake up every day and like my life, is to look in the mirror every day and like the person that's looking back at me, is to lay my head on the pillow at night and not have all of my thoughts hit me like a fucking literal ton of bricks swarming over me with all of the things that I'm not happy with. I don't want to live like that. It's not manageable for me. So the way that I need to, to be to stay on the planet is to make my number one goal every day happiness. That's my number one goal every day. Every single thing that I do, I do because it moves me closer to my own happiness. And anything that moves me away from it, I take out of my life really fucking quickly because happiness is the goal. Money's not the goal. A certain career's not the goal. A certain type of life isn't the goal. There are things that I want for myself, but everything we want for ourselves, it's because we think it's going to make us happy to have it. But because happiness is the goal, 
it sets me up different, right? Because the second something doesn't make me happy, I'm like, no matter how much it's going to suck to have this conversation and say I'm leaving, I have to leave because my number one goal, my number one priority, my number one focus in my life is my own happiness, period. I love my business and I love what I do. And people ask me for long-term goals. I don't have any long-term goals. My long-term goal is the same as my goal today. It's to be happy. And the day I wake up and this business doesn't make me happy anymore, when I tell you I will close it down without hesitation, I've owned other businesses. I don't give a fuck. I don't give a fuck about that because I understand the truth. And the truth is that nobody else gives a fuck either. Nobody else gives a fuck either. Okay, so I'm getting to what my point is. My point is a lot of the time, the reason we tell ourselves we can't change things is because we're saying other people care too much right? I can't quit my job because my boss is my friend. Nah, it's not true. You can tell yourself that, but you're using this other person's emotions as an excuse to not change your own life. That's the bottom line. And I'm not trying to be harsh about it, but it's the truth because you could have that uncomfortable conversation. If that person is really your friend, if they really fuck with you, they want you to be happy. And if you're not, they will support you in doing what you need to do to find your happiness, even if it means that they're going to not get to work with you anymore and that they'll be disappointed. That's what a real friend does. If they actually only care about you because of what you do for them, that's not a friendship worth keeping anyway. Problem solved. They're not actually your friend. So what's the loyalty for? It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense, right? These companies that you work for that are like, we're like a family here. The more they tell you we're like a family, the less they fuck with you. And the faster they would lay you off at a moment's notice if they needed to for their financial bottom line. They don't care about you. And even if they do care about you, they're going to protect the business's bottom line over their loyalty to you because that's what businesses do. So this, I can't quit because it would be too hard on the business. Like, no, it wouldn't. It wouldn't. And this, like, I get that that might be comforting because it's a self-aggrandizing thought that makes you important. But for real, they'd be upset for like a couple of days and then they would hire your fucking replacement and you'd move on and they'd move on. Every job you've ever quit, if you agonized over the decision to quit it, looking back now, like, it actually wasn't that big a deal and the conversation wasn't that bad and like, they're fine and you're fine. Every relationship you've ever been afraid to leave you look back now and you're probably glad you're not in that relationship. And you might've stayed way too long agonizing over like, I can't leave because it's going to devastate this other person. Like, no, the truth is that other person is a hundred percent responsible for all of their emotions in the same way you are a hundred percent responsible for all of your emotions. And what you're actually talking about is codependency. You're making this other person, this other person's reality, the source of your choices. Um, you are taking emotional responsibility for other adult human beings or other situations. It's not your job and you can't actually affect it. You can't, you can't, you can't. Other people are going to be happy or unhappy, pleased or displeased, annoyed or plus whatever they're going to be. It has nothing to do with you. They can say it's because of you, but it's not. It's their own choice because someone could just as soon choose to be happy for you in your unfolding. Someone could just as soon choose to support you in your growth. If they choose to be salty or bitter or annoyed or upset, that's actually their choice. It has nothing to do with you. I'm not saying fuck everyone over. 
right? Like I'm not advocating for being a shitty person and not thinking about the emotional consequences of, of your behavior and relationships. Be kind, be gentle, be thoughtful. But if you're not happy with a circumstance in your life and you're telling yourself the reason you can't change it is because other people, no, it's not because other people, it's because you, it's because you, and when you peel all that shit back, most of the time, all of the reasons you're saying you can't are a convenient way to cover up fear, your fear. And can't is a really dangerous word. Always when I was teaching dance, when somebody would say, I can't do that, I would be like, I do not let beautiful people use the word can't to define their possibilities in my presence. Yes, you can. You haven't yet. Unless you have an actual, literal, physical disability preventing you from doing the thing, you can, you're choosing not to. But here's what happens when we say we can't. And I have a lot of can'ts that I've had to work through, especially in the dance arena, which is why I love dance, right? I can't do that. I can't do a grand jeté, whatever. I can't do a quintuple pirouette. I can't. Well, I could. But when you tell yourself you can't, you stop trying. What's the point of trying really hard to do something you can't do? You just grit your teeth and get through it as quickly as possible. And you're like, well, I've accepted that I'm going to suck at this because I can't do it. So, or like, I'm going to go to the bathroom during this part because I can't. Once we've defined our possibilities, right? That's what can't does. It defines the outcome. I am incapable. I can't do that. Then you stop trying. Can't stops your creative brain from seeking possibility from seeking different outcomes. Because if you can, but you haven't yet, the conversation becomes, okay, so how can I? How do I? How will I? What do I need to practice in order to get there? I can, I just haven't yet. So what am I going to do today to move me closer to it? That's a completely different mindset, right? So if you're like, I can't quit my job because I work for my friend, you're choosing to trap yourself in a codependent relationship, building resentment against this friend and against this job while you stay in upset and are literally putting yourself in the position to be a victim of circumstance in your own life, where the truth is that you could. It might be an uncomfortable conversation. That person might be disappointed. Stop trying to protect other adults from their emotions. Stop trying to protect other adults from their emotions. You're allowed to be disappointed. You're allowed to be upset. You're allowed to be mad at me. I can handle it. That's what codependency is. I'm trying to regulate my nervous system by controlling your emotions. I can't, my nervous system can't handle it for you to be mad. So I'm just not going to speak my truth and I'm going to be depressed. That's codependent emotional processing. You are codependent with your fucking job, codependent with your boss. My nervous system can't handle it for you to be disappointed. So I will just live in suffering because I don't feel empowered enough to allow you as another whole adult human being with a full spectrum of human emotion and entitlement to feel however the fuck you feel to have your own goddamn feelings. Let people have their own feelings. You speak your truth. Let them feel what they feel. Then you feel what you feel in reaction to their feelings and you get to regulate your own emotions. You're like, wow, I said something really scary. I was vulnerable. I put myself out there and now this person is responding poorly and I have feelings about that. Guess what? Those feelings are your job. That person's feelings, not your job. Your feelings, your job, right? Okay, now I feel guilty. Go work on your fucking guilt. Now I feel disappointed in them. Go work on your disappointment in them. Now I feel like 
I'm seeing this person's true colors and they don't actually care about me. They only wanted me here in so long as I did shit for them. Go tend to that grief. But telling yourself that you can't do what you want to do because someone else is going to have negative feelings about it actually infantilizes that person and takes choices away from them and is dishonest. It's dishonest. It's dishonest. You're in a fake relationship. You think they would be happy if they knew that shit? You're preventing intimacy. You're saying, I can't quit this job because I work for my friend. Is that person your friend if they don't know that you're unhappy? Is that person your friend if you're not safe in the friendship to tell them what your needs are? Is that friendship? No, you're using that person as a crutch. You're using that relationship as an excuse to not admit the truth. And the truth might be, I don't know what I really want. The truth might be, I don't know what my next move is. The truth might be, I have a major fear of failure. The truth might be, I know what I want to do, but it feels too unrealistic for me. The truth might be, I have goals for myself that are so big that I'm afraid to say them out loud right now. But you don't even get to get to that truth because you are sublimating it underneath that can't. I can't. Well, I can't quit. Even if I wanted to, I couldn't because I don't want to hurt this person because they rely on me because they depend on me because they, um, you know, they would be too hurt. They would be disappointed. If today was the day you got hit by a bus, God forbid, and I hope it doesn't happen, but this is how I think about my own life every day. We are all going to die. This is like live closer to mortality. I'm fucking telling you guys. And I've talked about this before, but I really mean it. And I'm not trying to be morbid, but we're very weird and avoidant about death. Live closer to mortality and tell me it doesn't change how you think about every single day that you have on this planet. If today was the day that you died, would you be happy with how you spent your day? And if that's not the only motherfucking thing that matters to you, I'm confused about your choices. That other person does not have to live in your brain. That other person doesn't have to live in your body. That other person doesn't lay with you at night when your head hits the pillow. That other person will not be in your coffin with you. That other person did not incarnate into your body in this lifetime. They incarnated into their own damn body lifetime. They have their own shit to work on. Leave them to it. Stop using other people and relationships as a crutch to hide and unexamine your own fears in your life. And my point with all this was when I started saying that sometimes I feel like I'm, I'm not a good friend to people or I'm, I, I'm a really good friend to people, but I'm not always the friend that they want. Cause when somebody keeps complaining to me about the job that they hate and I've already been like, well, what do you want to do? And they're like, I don't know, but I feel like I can't because you know, I'm going to work for my friend and like, Oh, I just fucking hate this every day. I just get real quiet. I get real quiet because I, there's nothing I can say. There's nothing I can say that I haven't said before. Because the only thing I'm going to say is quit. Quit today. Run naked screaming through the streets. Who fucking cares? So I was telling my friend and he was like, well, you're getting real quiet. And I was like, yeah, I don't know what to tell you because you've already heard what I have to say. I can listen. You can vent and I can listen. But I don't have anything to say to you because like you're essentially telling me it hurts when you poke yourself in the eye. And all I got for you is take your fucking finger out. I don't know what to tell you, sir. You're making, this is your choice. This is your choice. 
be empowered in the choice, make the choice and be happy about it or make a different choice. But I don't know, like, I'm not, I'm not going to coddle you. I'm not going to agree with you that life sucks. Right. And so then he got into this thing of like, well, you can say that because you create your own reality. And I was like, boom, there we go. So do you every day that you get up and you make these choices. This is the reality that you create for yourself. Every day that I get up and make my choices, this is the reality I've created for myself. This isn't an accident. My career wasn't handed to me. This house wasn't handed to me. I don't come from money. I didn't learn this shit in school like anybody else did. I used to be homeless. I used to be on drugs. I used to be medicated for anxiety and depression. I've been pimped the fuck out. Like, you think that this got handed to me? Nah. Every single step of this was a choice. Is a choice. Every single step of my life is the result of choices I made. And those aren't, this isn't me saying I'm better than anybody. This isn't bootstrappy shit. But like the day that you actually realize that you're creating your own reality is the day that you stop living like a fucking bumper car and you start being a driver. You stop being in constant reaction and feeling helpless and start being like, I'm looking around and I don't like what I see and no one is coming to change it for me. No one is going to change it for me. I'm a goddamn adult and this is it. This is it. This is my life. No one is going to fix it for me. I have to start take, making different choices. And some of those choices might fucking suck at the beginning. Some of those choices might mean I have to go into isolation. Some of those choices might mean I lose all my friends. Some of those choices might mean that I go through a really fucking broke period. Some of those choices might be that I have to confront a bunch of fear and doubt and limiting beliefs. But I would choose those things over anything else because they're my choices. And I'm not a helpless victim of the circumstances of my day to day. So every day that you get up and you go to that job you hate and you sit there all day thinking about how life sucks and these are just the things you have to do because you have to and other people get to create your own reality, but you don't, that shit don't make no sense. Just admit you're scared. And then he was like, well, I just hate money. And I was like, that's probably part of the problem. And he was like, what, that I hate money? And I was like, yeah, money's great. Money is plentiful and abundant. Money is a tool. That's all it is. It's just a tool. So like change your relationship with money. And he's like, well, I just hate the things I have to do for money. And I was like, why? And he was like, well, you know, like these are just the things you have to do for money. And I was like, yo, you could sell pictures of your feet on the internet and make money. You could sell motherfucking fidget spinners and make money. There is somebody at work right now at the Monterey Bay Aquarium whose job is to put on a wetsuit and get in the kelp tank and hand feed fish. For money. People are out here every day making money off of the most absurd, inane things you could ever think of. You could make money for literally anything. If the internet has taught us anything, it's that you can make money from literally fucking anything. And this is a motherfucker who used to sell candy to his like uh, fucking kids to other kids at school. This has been entrepreneurial spirit. Where did that go? How did you go from I'm the kid who like saves up my allowance money to buy a box of candy at Costco to come to school to sell candy at a markup to all my friends at lunchtime to I can't quit this job because these are things I have to do for money. No, no, you could get money 
from damn near fucking anything. There are people out there right now with some crazy job you didn't even know was a job. Making money. Making money. And I was like, look, the truth is you could shave your head and move to Berlin and change your name and get a pocket dog today. And no one would stop you. People in your life here might think it was weird. But three months from now, you would just have a new life in Berlin. You could move to a new city today, put on a whole new identity, and no one would care. No one would care. No one would care. And I think that that's a hard, scary thing for us to grapple with in the same way it's hard and scary for us to grapple with mortality. But the truth is, when you look back on every friendship you've left, no matter how scared you were to leave it, that person's life has moved on and they're fine without you. Every job you've ever quit is fine without you. These things that you're using as the the tethers to your sadness and your disappointment and your grief and your rage, when you have to cut them off and realize that like really for real, no matter how disappointed those people were for a short period of time, their life would move on without you, it would. And your life would move on without them because that's how life is. It just be lifing, period. Life just be lifing. It moves on. People move on. Places move on. Things move on. You move away from a city and the city changes and you move back and you don't recognize it anymore. Yes, there's grief in that. Absolutely. But you can stay there and cling to it and that city's still going to change. You're not, you living there isn't going to stop construction or gentrification or new industries from moving in. Yay. Gabby said quitting my job this week released hella rage. Yes. Yes. Nobody cares. All these people that you're saying you care so much and that you can't change things because these people care so much. 90% of the time, they fucking don't. They would be upset for a short period of time and then they would move on. They would move on and they'd forget all about it. And so would you. And you would just have a new life. After the newness and novelty of that big decision wore off, it would just be a new life where you still had to buy toilet paper and milk and walk your fucking dog. All these things that we're so afraid of, that we make mountains out of, are actually molehills most of the time. Try working the other way. Make more mountains into molehills. Stop making this small shit so fucking big. Stop making it this unclimbable obstacle in your path that's preventing you from getting what you want. Look at it in the cold, brutal, dispassionate light of day, which is actually beautiful. The ephemeralness of these connections is what makes them special. Like all of life, it is gone so fucking quickly. That's what makes it special. This relationship may not be forever and that's what makes it special. This friendship may only serve a season and that's what makes it special. This job may be a stepping stone to teach you more about what you do and don't want and that's what makes it special. Clinging to it forever is not what makes it special. Clinging to it forever is literally just codependence and fear. That's all it is. That's all it is most of the time. And I'm not necessarily advocating for recklessness, though I'm not opposed to it. Occasionally, a little recklessness is what you need. If you need to make a plan, make a plan. But stop saying you can't. If you need to change it, then change it and stop saying you can't. If you need to grab hold of your life, Grab the fuck hold of it because no one else is going to and you are literally the only person who can. The only person who can. 
No one can fix it for you. No one can make your choices for you. No one can do your push-ups for you. No one can take a shit for you. No one can take a nap for you. No one can fill your belly for you. These are things you have to do. There is not anyone coming. Nobody's coming. And the faster you realize that that's a gift and just grab hold of it with both fucking hands and take control of your life, the faster things get good. Really, really good. Really good. And that's not to say there will never be problems and challenges, but they're yours. They're yours. You chose them and you wouldn't trade them for any other ones. No matter how hard things ever are in being a business owner, I would never trade this shit for having a job. Never. Because I've never had a job I didn't fucking walk out of. I just was like, "Mm, I'm not doing this. I quit. I don't care about y'all. You don't care about me. Why are we in this charade? We don't have to do that to each other. Let's not pretend you deserve someone who cares about this job. And I deserve to not be doing this shit right now. Yeah. It's scarier. It means you have to go figure out what you do give a fuck about. It means you have to own up to your genuine desires and live authentically. It means you have to make a stand for something in this world, but you're not going to be here that long. I'm not going to be here that long. As far as we know, this is it. Unless we are actually a sim and then we just get like rebooted and our consciousness gets replugged in back to the matrix in another place, which might happen. But as far as I know, definitively for right now, this is my one chance that I have to be this person in this body, in this lifetime, at this time. I'm going to waste it for what? What's the worst that can happen? You'll run out of money. You'll make more. What's the worst that can happen to me? I'll be homeless. I've been homeless. What's the worst that could happen to me? I'll be homeless. I've lived. I have a car now. Last time I was homeless, I didn't even have a car. What's the worst that can happen if I love this person? We'll break up. I've been through that. What's the worst that can happen? I'll die. I'm going to die anyway. What are the consequences that we're so afraid of? Somebody's going to be disappointed. They'll get over it. I'm going to be disappointed. I'll get over it. I've been disappointed. It hasn't killed me yet. 100% of the things that have tried to kill me so far have not been successful. I've tried a lot of things. This shit makes me tight because I care so much about the people around me being happy. And I know that that's just me projecting forward my goal for myself onto other people. But like when I see people suffering for stupid reasons, for no reason, just choosing suffering, right? Pain is inevitable. Suffering's a choice. You get up every day and choose suffering. You get up every day and choose to stay trapped in relationships where you're unhappy because you don't want to have one uncomfortable conversation in three uncomfortable weeks detoxing from a relationship. Why? Why? I don't get it. Not when you have so much potential, not when you're this beautiful, not when you're this talented, not when you are so gifted, which every single person is feasting it for what? If you don't do you, no one does. And it is lost forever to the planet. The beauty, the magnificence, the magic, the talent, the gifts, the skills, the special sauce that you came onto this planet with is just fucking wasted. Never to be experienced. How sad is that? You want something to be sad about? Be sad about all the people who literally couldn't express themselves. Who literally couldn't share their gifts. You have every choice available to you in the world and you're choosing not to because you're afraid of disappointing somebody? Suck a dick. Not that sucking a dick is an insult. I really like sucking dick. Hi (laughs) to the man on the chat. But you know what I mean. He doesn't makes sense. It doesn't make sense to me to waste your one unique 
brilliant human existence on fake shit. It just doesn't. That Martha Graham quote. Like, if you don't do your dance, it will never be done. That's something to be afraid of. If you don't use this one existence to express yourself, to learn yourself, to share yourself, you'll just live and die never having impact the world with your you-ness, unable to leave your unique mark, unable to make your unique impact, the impact that only you could make. But you can't make it if you're trapped in fear, self-doubt, people-pleasing, bullshit-ass limiting stories about what you can and cannot do and who you can and cannot be on the planet. Suze says wanting to be liked, but do I like everyone? No. I'm just now realizing it, uh, everything you're saying at 58, learn it sooner. Absolutely. And then like, I've talked about this thing a lot, but like, it goes back to letting other people have their own feelings, right? This is about consent. Consent. I know that we don't like to think people pleasers and people who want to be liked. I don't know. We don't like to think about ourselves as deceitful, but if you are modifying your personality in order to coerce someone into liking you so that you can be comfortable, it's manipulation. It's not an honest relationship. You are manipulating someone into giving you something that you want so that you can be comfortable. Ain't that about a bitch. Be you. Let that other person be entitled to their own opinions and be entitled to their own full-bodied no in the same way you get to be entitled to your own opinions and your own ability to say no. Like Sue said, not everyone is for me. I want the right to say no to the things that are not for me. I want the right to change the channel on a TV show I don't like. I don't want to be coerced or manipulated or tricked into being in relationship with someone. It's not an honest relationship. So if I don't want that for myself, why do I think it's okay to do that to other people just because I'm afraid of not being liked, right? Again, that's codependence. Trying to regulate my nervous system through other people's emotions. I don't feel safe if you don't like me. So I feel like it's okay to manipulate you into liking me by doing things for you, changing my personality, softening my opinions, modifying my likes and dislikes to get along in the moment. That's a lie, yo. It's a lie. We don't like to think of it like that, but it is. It's much more honest to have your real opinions to express your real preferences, to share your real likes and dislikes with the world and allow other people the the right to say yes or no in the same way that you want the right to say yes or no. And that's true in business too. That's the core of what I teach in marketing. Be your fucking self, share your truth. Let the people who are full body fuck yes for your channel, watch your channel. And the people who are like, no, I'm not into this. Go find the channel that they want to watch. There's a fucking thousand channels on TV. Everybody gets to find one that they like. I like HGTV. I do. I would watch home renovation shows. I like the cooking network. I'd watch cooking shows all day, every day. But there's like a fishing channel. I'm never going to watch it. That channel is not suffering from my lack of watching it. They're fine. They have people who like it. More power to those people. It's great. It's great that everyone gets something that they like. I don't have to be for everyone. It's okay. It's okay. But that means I have to like me. Right. And that's like what's the core of what Suze is talking about is like when you grow up not liking yourself and basing all of your emotional resource of validation on other people 
right? I don't validate myself. I don't approve of myself. I don't like myself. I outsource that job to other people. I am a bottomless pit of need. So I need everyone I come in contact with to reflect love back to me and tell me that I'm good and tell me that they like me so that I can feel good. And if they don't, I am crushed because I don't have my own internal well of self-approval. I don't have my own internal well of self-love. I don't have something inside me that says, I like me and I'm good. So if you don't like me, I don't know if I'm good. That's the self-esteem work that we have to do. Like at the bottom of all of it is you've got to learn how to like you for it to be okay for other people to not like you. You have to like you as your job in the same way that their job is to like them. Their job is not to like you. And most of us did not learn this, right? I keep talking about codependency, but if you have alcoholism, addiction, abuse, or abandonment in your childhood, alcoholism, addiction, abuse, or abandonment, that's all of us in some way, right? And abandonment doesn't even have to be on purpose. Abandonment could be death. Abandonment could be prison. Abandonment could be parent works all the time. Abandonment could be the military. But if you have alcoholism, addiction, abuse, or abandonment in your childhood, you have codependent emotional processing, period. It is unavoidable. It is a predictable outcome of those circumstances in early childhood attachment development. It's just something that we all have to work on. I've never met anybody who didn't have some codependency that they needed to work on to greater or lesser degrees. And all codependency means, I've said this many times, all codependency means is that I regulate my nervous system through other people's emotions. I need you to be okay for me to be okay because I don't have the ability to self-regulate. I need you to like me because I don't know how to like myself. I need you to calm yourself down so that I can be calm. So I need to placate you. I need to people please. I need to fawn in order to get you into an emotional state that I'm comfortable with because all of my emotional regulation is tied into your feelings. I have externalized the responsibility for my internal regulation. And I don't know it, right? But I just cleave on to people and make them responsible for my happiness and my safety. It's a shitty way to live because the second those people do something you don't want to do, you're fucked. The second those people move in a way that doesn't jive with what your desires are for them, you are in danger. And so taking all of those resources and plugging them back into yourself taking all of that need for validation and approval and self-esteem and plugging it back into yourself, literally becoming your own power source is the work. It is what is needed to be done for you to be successful in business. It's what's needed to be done for you to be successful in your art career. It is what is needed to be done for you to be successful in romantic relationships. It is what is needed to be done for you to be successful as a human being on this planet is to become self-contained with your feelings and to allow other people to be self-contained with their feelings to find. And again, back to mortality, to find the beauty in the ephemeralness of all of these connections. Not everyone who comes into your life will stay forever. And that's what makes it beautiful. Not every customer who looks at your Instagram will buy from you. And that's beautiful. Not every customer who buys from you once will buy from you again. And that's beautiful. Not every person you fuck will you fuck a second time. And that's beautiful. Not everyone you love will be in your life forever. And that's beautiful. We will only be in these bodies for a short time. And that's beautiful. Stop thinking that if it doesn't last forever, it's not valuable. Stop thinking that it lasting forever is what makes it good or what makes it the goal. Because that's when we start moving funny. 
when we think that losing this thing, losing this thing, that detaching from this thing or this place or this person is what's going to make or break us, we have lost our power. Nothing makes or breaks you but you. I listen to a lot of true crime podcasts. I'm like obsessed with con men. I always have been. I think it's fucking fascinating. But like one of the things that's, that we can learn from con men is that they feel okay going to a new city, dropping a new name, a new career, and just building a whole new life, rent an apartment under a different name. And like, they walk into a place and they're like, my name is such and such. And people are like, oh, nice to meet you. And now they just have a new life. Now they can do that because they're sociopaths and they don't feel guilty for lying. And I'm not advocating becoming a con man, but there's something to be learned from the fact that this happens a lot. We're so afraid to make even the most minor of changes, but the real truth is you could change everything about your life today and nobody cares. They would just be like, all right, cool, great, nice to meet you, son. Oh, you're a doctor? Rad. Don't lie about being a doctor. That's crazy. But you know what I'm saying, right? Do you get what I'm saying? Like, we're so afraid to make even the smallest of changes because of, like, what people would think. And meanwhile, there are people out here who, like, will wear scrubs every day and aren't really doctors. And they're fine. And some of them make millions of dollars before anyone finds out. Shit is wild. Meanwhile, we're afraid to, like, open a soap business because we're like, what will someone from middle school that I haven't seen in 20 years think? Who fucking cares? Who the fuck cares? They're going to die. You're going to die. All these people whose opinions you're so worried about are going to die. And I've said these exact words before, but I feel like they bear repeating over and over again because our little dramas feel so important. Everyone that you're afraid is judging you is going to end up in the ground just like you are. Who the fuck cares? Again, like sometimes I feel morbid, but it's not how I mean it. It's just a reality check that these huge traumas that we make out of these things are not important. And these huge amounts of importance that we attach to other people's opinions, like those people aren't thinking about us. They're not. They don't care. And we are using it as a crutch to avoid addressing our own fears and insecurities. I can't because that person will be upset. Fuck out of here. All right. I feel like I've ranted on the internet enough for one day. Go back and watch this from the beginning because I feel like I started with a point. I don't know if I ever made it. I think it was that sometimes I'm not the best person to tell that you're unhappy with your job. That was my original point. I have been always my whole life and always will be the person who, if you come to me and you say you're unhappy with something, I will ask you how you want to change it. If you come to me and say that you're unhappy with your life, I will pull your suitcase out of the closet and help you pack. What I will not do, what I will not do is agree with you that you are helpless and that your life is fucked up and that there's nothing that you can do about it. You want to make a plan? Let's plan. I will roll up my sleeves and plan with you. You want to make an escape strategy? Let's make it. You want to make a chart and figure out what your new name is going to be for when you move to Berlin and shave your head and get a job next, uh, uh, get a small dog next week. Let's figure that, that name out. Let's do it. Let's find plane tickets today. I will help you. You want to change your whole damn life? I will help you. But don't expect me to sit there and agree with you that life sucks and you're helpless and you're trapped and you can't do it because I'm not that friend. And in fact, that person isn't your friend. They're just with you because they also like complacency and misery loves company. And they're using your trappedness and your stuckness to justify their own trappedness and their own stuckness. And those are the relationships that fall away when you start changing your life. 
And I'll be there for you through that grief while you cry and realize that those people were never your real friend to begin with. And I'll be like, you're right. They weren't. They just wanted you to hang out with them and sit around and do nothing so that they could be excused for wasting their own life. Not me. That's why I only have like five friends and they're probably all in this chat. (laughs) I love you guys. Thank you for uh, letting me rant. I'll probably put this on the podcast later because I feel like I probably said some things that were good. Uh, And before I go, Mish said, you're the fucking realist. So thankful for your presence in my life. I love you. Heaven said, that's tea, trauma bonding. Yes. Who said this was perfection? Thank you. Thank you. All right. Before I go, I will show you adorable kittens. This is the level I'm trying to be on. This is what I do it for. Because in my next life, I want to come back a spoiled-ass house cat who sleeps all day and never pays bills and just gets my tummy rubbed. And I feel like if I do a really good job of being a person, I get to come back and do this next time. All right, bye. I love you. That's our episode for today. Thank you, as always, for being here and for listening to the podcast. I know there are so many things that you could be doing with your time, so many things you could be listening to. It is an honor that you choose to be here. Connect with me on Instagram at Intuitive Edge Coaching or join my Facebook group, Unstuck Group, to suggest topics or people that you'd like to hear me interview on this show. Have a great day.